when I think about the tsunami, the earthquake, then the tsunami, and I think about the, the, the unstable situation that they're in, even now because of the nuclear uh, situation. When you think about that, and you, your mind goes back to your spiritual foundations, and if there were earthquakes in your life, if there were tsunamis in your life, how would you be able to withstand those? How would you react to those things? Could you make it through those times that are tough? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've already been through some of those. You've had tsunamis in your life, and it came in the form of the C word, cancer, or it came in the form of the D word, divorce, or it came in the, in the form of, of your children getting uh, on drugs, or it came in the form of somebody being incarcerated in your family, or you. And, and all these things are like tsunamis in our life, right? They're like earthquakes and, and things that just knock us down. And listen, as believers, we don't have to fall and, and get sucked in the way the world does. We've got a, a God, we have a foundation of Jesus Christ that he says if we're planted in him that we will be able to withstand all those things, right? How many of you can attest to that and say, I know, I've been there. And God's delivered you. He, he kept you through the storm of your life. And he's keeping you through the storms of your life. Now, I've, one more thing. I, I, this is a little interactive today, but I want you to stand. We're going to read this scripture, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. If you have your Bibles, you can look it up. I want us to declare this, proclaim this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's do that again. That was kind of... Oh. The Nalita. What's the Nalita? Okay. Need to talk. All right, let's do this one. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Father, bless the reading of your word today. May it find that soil in our hearts and be fruitful. Amen. You may be seated. Are the rest of them going to be in that NLT thing? NKJV? Are the rest of them in the New King James? Just so I don't get... Okay, thank you. We are supposed to be immovable, unshakable. But listen, it's always about... this, This message today can be misconstrued. It can be... Some people will think, well, he's talking about works. Okay, and it's about you know what we you know what we confuse works with as believers. We think of works as not sinning or sinning, and not he's talking about the works of the Lord. What were the works of the Lord? Somebody tell me. They were ministry. They were they were healing. They were raising up the dead. They were feeding the. They were all these miracles. That was the works of Jesus Christ. He did all these wonderful works. We're supposed to be doing the same thing. Amen. We're supposed to be seeing the captives set free, right? Aren't we supposed to be involved in the works of Jesus Christ? He said greater things, greater works we would do. And some of us are just struggling not to sin. Listen, listen, we've got to move past that. We've got to move past the place where every day you're just struggling with sin. That is not God's plan and design for your life. Did you know that? He said you've been set free from sin. Amen? Sin shall no longer have dominion over you, right? 
So if you're still struggling with the same things over and over and over and over and over, listen, you need to maybe get saved or you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but something needs to change in your life because your foundation, what you're, where you're planted is not really strong. And we are, we are grounded, we are planted on this thing called the Word of God. We're planted in Jesus Christ. He is the rock. Peter is not the rock, okay? Jesus was talking about, who do they say I am, Peter? And he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, thou, man, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my spirit revealed that to you. He said, and you are Peter, and on this rock, he's talking about the rock of his, the witness that he was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock. He said, you're, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He said, well, I'm going to build his church on Peter. Now, he's using Peter, but he doesn't build his church on Peter. And some people would think that. He built his church on himself, on, the, on who he is. Okay? I just want to clear that up before we get any further in the message. But we have devastation going on all around us. We read it, we see it, we watch it on the news, we see it on Facebook. Everywhere you turn, you're, you're seeing about devastation in the world. Listen, we're not that far away from some of this stuff possibly happening here. Did you know that? Anybody ever been in a tornado? Okay, anybody ever been in a hurricane? Wow. Wasn't here. <laughs> anybody ever been involved in an earthquake? Talking about a physical earthquake. Yeah, all the California people pray for you. <laughs> Amen. Got here as fast as you could. Listen, the storms of life, Jesus says you will have these. They will come. There will be earthquakes. There are going to be floods. All that stuff's going to happen. Here's the deal how will you respond? What are your roots? How are you grounded? Let's look at this great, great parable or story that Jesus told. You know, Jesus was very visual. If, if Jesus was doing his ministry today, he would probably use video. Agree? He'd probably use PowerPoint. He just didn't have that available to him then. Matter of fact, if he, he had, actually could have done it, it really would have freaked him out. If you'll watch here. <laughs> ah! I never thought about that. V could have done that. Hologram. <laughs> That's true. He could have. Luke 6, 46 through 49. Very short passage of scripture. Do, do you have that video that I actually... You got that too? Okay, cool. Jesus had been teaching part of the Sermon on the Mount, and he'd been teaching. He kind of was concluding his teaching, uh, more so in Matthew maybe than in Luke. But I, I'm, I chose Luke to read it from. And he looks at all these people that are standing there and says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Very practical teaching from Jesus. Lord, 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 I need this, Lord, I need that, Lord, I, oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. They're just calling him Lord right and left. He just heard his name called all the time. And then he would teach them, and then they wouldn't do what he said. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't even do what I tell you to do? Listen, outward conformity is not enough. Coming to church 
standing up, looking Christian is not enough. It goes way, way beyond that. And so many people, they look good on the outside. But listen, if you're not obeying what God has told you to do, if you're not obeying the word of God, you're just like who he's talking to here. Your house is built on sand. I think it's in James. He says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. And I think as, as we read scripture, I'll just go back and I'll go, God, have we changed that much in the last 2,000 years? Have we? Not that much. We still, we've got the word and we still disobey. We got the preacher and we still, we listen to the words that he speaks and we still disobey. We got parents and they tell us you need to do this and this and then we still disobey. Things haven't changed that much. Listen, as believers, we're supposed to be different. The Bible even says in one of those old translations that we are peculiar people. That's when they started making new translations. <laughs> I don't like being peculiar. I want to look like everybody else. Listen, we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to act differently. Now, you've seen this video. We've shown it probably two or three times. I think it's one of the best videos we've ever shown. It's real short, real sweet. But I want you to see it again. Then we'll finish up. Laura. Hey, Lord. So how did it go with Kat? Did you talk to her? Oh, well, Lord, not exactly. (laughs) Did you forgive her? Well, Lord, I mean, I was just thinking, like, why should I forgive her? (laughs) Because I asked you to. Well, yeah, I know you did, Lord, but why? Well, you shouldn't have to know why, just that I asked you to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, you don't understand the situation. Kathleen has an attitude problem. Laura, you believe that I know what is best for you and for Kat? Well, yeah, Lord. Then you'll do this. But, Lord... This is no different than when I've asked you to do anything else. Yes, this is, Lord. This is way different. When I asked you to quit your job, you quit. Well, of course, Lord, but I didn't like my job, so I was happy to leave, you know? I mean, this is way different. Okay, Lord, you know what? I've got an idea. How about we give it a week, and I'll pray about it? Uh, I'll give you my answer now. Uh, But, Lord... Look, Kat's coming by here very soon. She's coming by here? Well, uh, let's go. Now's your chance to talk to her. I want you to forgive her. Lord, you don't understand. Hey! Laura, it's been like two weeks since we've had coffee. Oh, it has. We should totally get together this week. Wow, I can't do that. I am so busy. Oh, yeah. Well, how about next week? Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Oh, well, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh Uh-huh. All right. um, I guess I'll just um, see you later then. Bye. Lord, did you hear that attitude? I thought you were going to forgive her. I thought you said we could wait a week, Lord. No, you said that. Okay, Lord, you're being unreasonable, okay? Why don't you just go talk to Kathleen and have her come to me and ask for my forgiveness? Laura, you need to obey. I want you to forgive Kat. But Lord... Why do you keep calling me Lord? You won't even do what I ask. It's always a response I get. Ooh. (laughs) 
You know, if we say we're his and he tells us what we're supposed to do, then we're supposed to do it, okay? So he has put this out before the people. Why do you call me Lord? You don't even do what I ask you to do. Look at verse 47. Whoever comes to me, hears my sayings, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. And he was a great teacher. Jesus was hands down. He was the best. He was the best, okay? He was a, this rabbi that was the new rabbi on the scene. Everybody wanted to hear the new rabbi. So when they would come here and they were just like amazed, they would they'd talk about his great teaching and the authority that he taught with. And we've never heard it like this before. And he would, he would say, now you've heard it this way, but I tell you this. And he would, he would expound on, on the, the law and then tell, talk to them about grace. And they were just like excited because, man, he, this guy could teach. But listen, we can get excited about a good preacher or a good message or a good song, and we can just go away and, and not change at all. And that's what they were doing. They were listening to him. They were thinking, man, you feed me some more. I like that bread. I like that stuff you've been sharing. I like the, the healings. But listen, when you start getting into my stuff and asking me to forgive somebody, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. Then we start bargaining with him. Didn't you like what she said? Well, why don't you have her go and come to me and ask me to forgive her? We do that. God, would you arrange this so I'm not in any way put out? (laughs) Would you arrange this where I'm not confronted at all, Lord, where I look good in the whole thing? That's us so many times. So Jesus shares this, and he says, listen, this is what a person is like. Now, listen, he's not saying this is what a person is. He says this is he's trying to give you a picture of what a person is like that really listens, that he hears, and that he actually obeys. He heeds the word, and then he obeys. He said, I'm going to show you what that person's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Guess what? Foundations normally can't be seen in a building. Did you know that? You don't normally see the foundations. Foundations can't be easily repaired in the middle of a storm. You understand? You, you can't go work on a foundation when if, if the storm, if the flood's coming up, you're just trying to get to the roof, trying to be safe. Foundations, though, are the key to a strong, stable building. The man who is wise will build on Jesus Christ and his principles. Listen, when we had to, when we were looking at taking these beams out and we were looking at doing this remodel of this whole building and how we're going to go about it, we had to do these core tests. You know what a core test is? They had to, we had to drill down below, and guess what they found below this building, which is a solid building? They found bedrock. They found bedrock. And when they said, we found bedrock, man, this place is on a strong, even though it's by a river and it's been flooded before, before they put the dam in, this place is built on a bedrock. It's sturdy. How many, how many of you know that this building is over 80 years old? It's over 80 years old. It was built before 1930. This building is mostly steel and concrete. Any of you guys that were involved in the process of cutting through one of the concrete walls, raise your hand. Wasn't it fun? That one that we just did earlier or last year to do the four doors down here below us, the guys, they, they broke blades. They, they, man, we, they tried different tools because they said that is cured concrete, 80-year-old cured concrete with steel in it. 
It was a huge, massive job to get those walls down with all the modern technology we have. But listen, we have, we have got to be built on the strong foundation of Jesus Christ, his principles, and his truths if we're going to withstand the storms that are going to come. Amen? You can have all the head knowledge that you want, but it really won't get you by. You can know everything there is about building a building and not build a good building. Did you know that? You can have all the information. It's like that story about the guy that he, man, he had the best fishing boat. He had the best fishing equipment. He'd watched every teaching video that there could be on fishing. That man, he, he had a great place down at the lake where his, where his boat was docked. And he, you know, he was, he had just all these grand ideas of fishing and people would go to him, want to talk to him about fishing and want to learn how to fish and how, what kind of bait to use for a certain kind of fish. Man, they would just pick his brain all the time. And then one guy finally said, hey, guy, could we just see some of the pictures of the fish you've caught? And the guy said, well, caught? Uh, I've never caught any fish before. He knew everything about it. He just never had done it. That's how a lot of us as Christians, we get all this information, but we don't let it flow out of us. We get kind of fat with the word, and we don't get out there and release it into the, into the areas where it needs to be released. And that's singing that song about the overflow. Listen, I believe if you're baptized in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, and He flows out of you, that you're going to get people wet around you just because you're there. Just because you're full and overflowing, it's going to touch somebody else's life. Listen, you don't even have to work at it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's just going to flow. How many of you know there are certain people you just like to hang out with? Because it's just, they're bubbly. Something's coming out of them, and they're, it's good to be with them. And you, you feel good when you're around them. You grow, you mature when you're around them. That's how it's supposed to be. We got a couple of ameners this morning. Come on, somebody. <laughs> So why did Jesus use this picture to show how if we do, if we listen and we do what he says to do, why did he use this picture? Let me, let me share some things that just God just showed me. For one thing, if you're walking in obedience, now this is an obedient person, right? That's what he's talking about. If you're walking in obedience, you're walking in the blessings and not the curses. Now, what I'm trying to say is I need to preface that. Christians shouldn't go through as many storms as the world goes through. Mm. And when they do come, they shouldn't knock you down. Let me, let me share this again. If you're walking in obedience, you're walking in the blessings, not the curses. When you're walking in obedience, you don't have open doors for the enemy to do whatever he wants to do with you. Can I get a witness? The storms come. A lot of times the storms come because you've invited the storms. You said, here I am. Let me just do this rebellious thing and just let the enemy come in and just knock me down. That's, we do that. Why are the storms come? Well, you've opened a door. Okay. Listen, when trials come for believers that are founded and grounded in the principles and the truth of God... You should actually grow closer to God during those times. Well, that doesn't make sense. You know why you grow stronger? Because when the trials come, the tribulations come, the roots go down further. 
you sink in, you dig a little deeper. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about just your faith. You say, God, I need you. I need you more now than I ever had before in my life. And the roots go a little bit deeper because you're, you're drawing near to Christ. When the enemy comes, man, you're just supposed to rebuke the enemy. You're supposed to run to God, draw near to him. Another reason we shouldn't have to go through all the junk that the world goes through is because we have this thing called the armor of God. You know, just the shield of faith alone quenches what? Every, every, say every, every fiery dart of the enemy. When we go through trials and tribulations, when the, when the, when, when the things of life come against us, listen, we are covered with the favor of God. We have favor. Say, I have favor. And when the trials come, when the, when the earthquakes come, the tsunamis come, listen, if you just go and read the last book of the Bible, you'll figure it out. We win. We are already winners. Whatever you're going through, we have this promise that Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a pretty good promise, wouldn't you say? When you're going through the trials and the tsunamis and the earthquakes, you have the Father, you have at the right hand, you have the Son. And what is he doing for you during that time? He's interceding for you. Right, Glenn? Doreen, is he interceding for you today? There's another good one. There's a lot more. I just These are the ones that came to me. Sometimes in the midst of our stuff and the trials and the tribulations, he dispatches angels. Angels. Just sends out his... Danny needs an angel. Michael, would you send an angel? Send one of your warring angels out there. He needs an angel today. Leon needs an angel today. He's, he's coming under attack because he's got this passion about master's commission and the enemy's trying to come against that plan. He needs a few angels. Don't discount the fact that God dispatches angels. Look at the foolish man. I want you to understand it's not about building so much as it is about being, okay? But he who heard and did nothing, okay? You need to catch that part of this verse. It didn't say that he went out and looked for some good place to to build on. He just did nothing. He just did nothing. He heard, but he didn't do anything. Sound like some of the Christians you might know? Sound like you maybe? You hear something, God pours something in you, you just do nothing. I like how Ron Campbell says, people use this, they use this, uh, somebody came up with this somewhere that they get a prophecy, well, you just put it on the shelf. He said, that's not in the scripture. (laughs) Just put it on the shelf. Now, I know there's confirmation. And if you're not sure that it's God, you need to wait. I understand all that. But sometimes we use that as an excuse of not doing anything. God calls you, he puts his plan in front of you. It's like he, he's emailed it to you, and, and you know in your heart what you're supposed to be about, and you just, well, I just wait on the Lord some more. It's like 
Jesus in the video. I didn't know. I just told you what to do. Well, Lord, I want to just wait till next week. No, that's delayed obedience. That's disobedience. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Sounds like the three little pigs, doesn't it? Seriously. There's one smart pig out there. He used bricks and mortar. Probably had a good foundation. The other ones used sticks and hay and straw. I mean, that's really scriptural if you read. All that stuff with sticks and hay and straw will be, get burned up. Yes, that's true. You see, it wasn't that the foolish man deliberately looked for a bad foundation. He just didn't really give it any thought. He just started building. Remember when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac? Do you remember that story? If you don't know it, you might go and check it out this afternoon. It's in Genesis. I'm not sure which chapter. But you might want to... When, when I used to wonder... I always ask a lot of questions. I'm, I'm reading the Word and I just... God, why did you ask Abraham to sacrifice a son who you said you were going to just build uh, masses of people through? It's going to go through that, that son, that seed. It's going to be planted, and it was going to be the sands, that, like people were going to be like sand on the seed, the numbers of people like stars in the sky. It's just going to go on forever and ever. Why did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son? And, and the answer is this. God already knew what Abraham's heart was. God already knew what Abraham was going to do. He wanted Abraham to know what Abraham was going to do. He wanted Abraham to understand his own faith. See, when God asks us to do something, he already knows what you're going to do. But he wants you, he wants you to check yourself out. What am I about? What am I, what am I do? I really trust God. Am I really going to obey the word of God? God wants us to see ourselves. He wants us to know that when the trials come, when the earthquakes come, when the tsunamis come, when the cyclones come, when the hurricanes come, when the tornadoes come, when the hailstorm comes, he wants us to know, are we ready? He wants us to know if we're not just ready for that, but he wants us to know if we're ready for judgment day. He wants you to know this morning, if you are really grounded in Jesus Christ, is he your Lord and is he your Savior? Because if he's not, listen, you will be sunk. You will be swept away. He wants you to know. It's better to find out now than later. You know what I'm talking about? It's a lot better to know today than on judgment day when you stand before God by yourself and give an account of your life for every word you've ever spoken. Because if you don't know him, you will hear what I believe is the saddest statement that will ever be known to mankind. Depart from me. I never knew you. I can't imagine anything worse than that statement by God, by Jesus Christ. It says, depart from me. He didn't say, I knew you, then I didn't know you, then I knew you again. He said, I never knew you. In December 2001, 
the Leaning Tower of Pisa was finally reopened to the public. After having been closed for almost a dozen years. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen it? Okay. It's really leans, doesn't it, Bill? You've seen pictures of it, right? Okay. It was closed down for a dozen years, and during that time, engineers completed a $25 million renovation project designed to stabilize the tower. Now, you got to understand this. They didn't straighten it back up. Nobody would go see a straightened-up building. <laughs> it's famous because it's a leaning. And I never did understand what pizza had to do with it. But You know, when you're a kid, you think that's the Lean Tower Pizza. They spent $25 million to, to stabilize the tower. They removed 110 tons of dirt and reduced its famous lean by about 16 inches. Wow, they're really getting a lot of bang for their buck, aren't they? Why was this necessary? Because the tower had been tilting further and further away from vertical for hundreds of years to the point that the top of the 185-foot tower was 17 feet further south than the bottom. And, of course, they were concerned that one day it would just collapse and kill a lot of people. So what was the problem? These guys looked into this. These $25 million project. Was it bad design? No. Poor workmanship? No. Mm-mm. An inferior grade of marble? No, not at all. The problem was underneath. It had a bad foundation. It was built on sand. It had no firm foundation. It could not support the weight what was above it. Would you stand? Ministry team, please come to the front. You know, the Bible talks about us as being God's building. Do you know that? We're called buildings. We used to sing a song. It's kind of for fun, but I think we'll do it again on the anniversary. It's called Working on a Building because we're a building. We're God's building. But I want to ask you, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to ask you a few of those invitation-type questions. You know what I'm talking about? So you can allow God to shine his light on you. Because if your life isn't anchored in Jesus Christ this morning then you're working and you're building in vain, the Bible says. In other words, whatever you're doing is useless. It's a waste of time. If you're building on something other than Jesus Christ, see, some people are building upon finances. You can lose those in a blink of an eye. Some people are building on fame. It's fleeting. Some people build upon other relationships that can be dissolved in a moment. Some people are building upon uh, the enemy and his plan for your life. You're building upon that. Listen, anything you're building on that's not God is, is in vain. And at some point in time, you're going to collapse. But listen, if you're grounded on Jesus Christ, if he's the bedrock, and you've put down the foundation upon him, 
If he's your firm foundation, listen, the storms will come. They'll beat against you. The, the waters might rise, but you will be victorious because of the bedrock of Jesus Christ. Even if you die, even if a tsunami, an actual tsunami were to flood you and drown you, you live because of who your foundation is.